0: What makes a person become a serial killer? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking peoples, thinking people. Welcome to the Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, humble narcissist. And with me as always is my brazenly
1: bashful co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um not awesome. so humble. Narcissists. <laughs> yes. Good comeback. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, today we're going to talk about. Speaking of narcissists, what makes people become serial killers? I'm bunkers for eating you alive. No! no. I'm very excited. If people who really enjoyed this episode, where can they go to engage with material and others who enjoy the show?
1: Well, first, I'm like, you were very excited about what makes Serial Killers. Uh, Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. But if you do like this podcast, uh, you can go to our website at overthinkersjournal.com. Is it The Overthinkers Journal? I think it is. It's the Overthinkers yeah. Journal. Yes.
0: We really go to our website live.
1: <laughs> it's theoverthinker'sjournal.com, And you can find out more about us, your hosts, uh, what we have coming up. We have a we have a live events coming up in the next year. So please check it out yep. so you can be um, involved in all those. And uh, you can also, if you want to connect with fellow overthinkers, go to our Overthinkers Facebook page, where now we have over 1,100 overthinkers posting memes, articles, so and having a great cool. discussions. It's so much fun. And if you like the podcast, would you please consider leaving us a review? It really does help us so much and share it with a friend. Awesome. All right. Ready to get started? Let's do it. Fantastic. Okay.
0: So serial killers fascinate people for, no reason, for for good reason. The term serial killer, which reportedly was coined in the 70s by FBI agent Robert Ressler, is used to describe men or women who kill more than three people in succession. The peak years of known American serial killers were between 1970 and 1999 and included serial killers most of us know, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, and Charles Manson. Since then, American society has been obsessed with understanding serial killers. They've been the subject of books like Sons of Cain, documentaries like Memoirs for Murder, murders, movies like Seven and Zodiac, TV shows like Mindhunter, podcasts like My Favorite Murder, and even Thirst TikToks. People who love engaging with serial killer material talk openly about how they want to understand serial killers better and protect themselves, make serial killers less likely to exist. But even after all this time, many people believe truly understanding serial killers remains elusive, according to historian and journalist, Peter Vronsky, we seem to know less about serial killers now than we thought we did 20 years ago. We are only now realizing how little we know. So Nathan, as someone who has deeply interested in psychology and who's watched a lot of, uh, and listened to a lot of serial killers, what do you think makes a serial killer and why?
1: Mm, this is
0: interesting. You know, we, we did an
1: episode last year on why we are obsessed right. with serial killers. Yes, and true crime podcasts and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that we talked about was, uh, one of the reasons we're obsessed with this is because what does it say about us as right. humans and what and what we're capable of doing? It's interesting to watch someone do so, something so deeply horrific right. and go, am I capable of that? Are we capable of that? We're all part of this one human race. Right. And it's kind of this probing into your soul and going, what are we? What am I capable of? Right. Which is a really interesting concept. But the thing we didn't explore is what actually makes them. Right. And it's interesting to hear you talk about the, um, uh, the, the literature on this and the, and the studies that have gone into this and how some of the leading people are like, We still don't know. (laughs) Um, So I guess a teeny bit of history, and I'm by no means an expert historian on this, but I have watched my fair share of documentaries and uh, listened to my fair share of podcasts and and blog articles. Um, But for a long time, uh, the, the professional consensus was essentially that serial killers... Just were they were they were sure. born yeah. this way that uh, you might just get an unlucky batch like you would if someone you know right. was born with an illness or something. They were born with the illness of uh, psychopathy. And uh and violence. And right. they just, sorry, man, you you were, were given a- you lucked out born evil. Yes. yes. You got a bum kid who wants to kill people. Yeah. And so that was kind of this consensus for a while. You just really hope that you don't have a kid who's born like this. Right. And you know, we've all heard the you kid, you could tell early on if kid was serial killer by how yeah. he treated animals and how he treated his friends. Was he anti-social? Right. Was he cruel? Do so, you know things like that? And um which is interesting to me, I I guess that that idea is kind of uh, deterministic, meaning right. okay, so we're going to have, uh, you just have a serial killer kid and we just can't really help it so we just have to deal with them after we figure out they are right. and that that's such a I don't know, it, it's an interesting way to look at it and I'm surprised that it ever was the consensus. Right. But now after years and years and years and decades and I'll talk about it more in my blesses um, after some um, FBI agents and psychologists got together and really researched this uh, in conjunction with just the, the huge field of psychology and all the work it's done since. And, you know, I'm talking, this is right. really about in the fifties um, right. uh, was the last time we kind of just believed post-serial just are, but through a great deal of effort and work in and um, studying and proof um, the, the consensus changed. Right. And so what we, uh, all all the psychological understanding and studies and findings together, what we've now begin to begin to realize is that serial killers aren't born; they are made. Now there are some proclivities, there are some things present in kids that can make them more um, susceptible right. to um, uh, to psychopathy right. uh, and sociopathy. But ultimately, those things will lay dormant and never really come out unless there's a few things that ultimately makes um, these kids uh in their environments in the familial places, serial killers. Right. Uh, so what they saw some of those things. So what they found is in many, many cases, and almost um across the board, actually, I wouldn't say many, in almost every single one I guess, I would struggle to find an example of a serial killer who didn't have these things present. Um, is at, is their childhood. I
0: never knew my father.
1: Sure. And the things that affected them then. And um, in all psychology, we, we're learning this now. We're implementing our our um, our therapy practices, but we are just discovering how important childhood is in uh in all of our lives and all our developmental lives, emotionally, mentally, but especially in um the, the young lives of serial killers. Right. And what was present was very often some form of abuse, right. typically sexual or violent. Um and very often, almost, like almost always, there right, is yeah. some sort of extreme abuse. Right. Um, now, just this does not mean that if you or someone you know has faced abuse, that you're going to become a serial, serial right. killer. Um And it, and they do use the word extreme. This needs to be extreme abuse. Right. This is not, um, you know, just all oh, my parents yelled at me once. This is extreme, <laughs> extreme abuse. Oh my gosh, yeah. me too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um And then they say with that is dysfunctional family. So it's not just sure. experiencing abuse, it's in conjunction with a very dysfunctional family. So it's experiencing abuse and not having any place to process, to grow, sure. or to heal from yeah. that abuse. Because many of us have experiences abuse in our childhoods, and we don't end up becoming serial killers. But what many of us are lucky enough to have is a family who can walk with us through that, give us healthy healthy practices, understanding, safe places. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, abuse present with really um, uh, detrimental family situations. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of the things they found, they haven't found this in all of them. I'm less inclined to believe it has a huge thing to do, but they have found a a correlation between um, head injuries Early on in childhood. And so basically what we found out is over the course of the last 50 years is serial killers aren't uh aren't born, they are made, and they're made within the first five to 10 years of their lives. And I think this is way scarier, to be honest, than um than thinking that serial killers. Are born. Sure. Yeah. So this is really you has a lot of really interesting things, and it, the,
0: and there's a lot of really interesting literature. And you did a really good job of giving that arc of like what we thought before, and then what we thought starting. You know, again, because starting in the 19s or 1970s, you had this um, you had this aspect that there was explosion of mm. the amount of serial killers. And so then you had, so people were like trying to study it more because there's so many of these things happening and people having the, um, and people wanted to understand it. And so that was really good how you described the art. One of the, um, one of the really interesting things about this, you pointed out is, uh, there is, uh, is the fact that there's a lot of people who have experienced abuse who don't end up becoming serial killers. In fact, there are people who've experienced comparable abuse to serial killers who don't end up being serial killers. So there's a neuroscientist, I think his name is James Fallon, who wrote the book um, uh, The Psychopath Inside. So okay, he's, a, he's a self-diagnosed psychopath, actually, himself. Oh, sort of an ethical yeah, psychopath. yeah, yeah, I've read about it. And so one of the things he talked about is that there's a lot of people who have the psychopath gene, but they don't end up actually ever becoming psychopaths. So they oftentimes, they, they oftentimes, but that thing is, they, so what he talked about is it's oftentimes a combination of having a psychopath proclivities, yeah, like you're talking about, and then having a really bad upbringing. This, and having, or you know, at least early childhood, yeah, is yeah. one of those those two combination things. But that actually leads to something else, which is another interesting nuance to this discussion. I think is uh, the um, uh, Peter Vronsky, as who had mentioned earlier, the author of *Sun King*. One of the quotes he has, I think, is really fascinating. Is he says that really? The thing we have to explain is not why are some people serial killers, but why are more people not serial killers. Oh, interesting. <laughs> because he said, to us, "Talk about that. It's not really so much. This is the quote. It's not really so much that serial killers are made. It's the fact that so many of us are unmade.
1: Ah, uh, who who never actually culminate. Culminate into because, a because it's really it's
0: a survival it's a survival advantage to be able to kill." Loss of people.
1: You're the species. Yeah. I'm the extinction. In evolutionary sense. Yes.
0: It's like to be able to do that and kill before you're killed yourself. So the thing is, and this is something we talked about earlier, which is like, are people born good or evil? Um, Peter Tremblay, the psychiatrist, uh, did this experiment, found that most people are at their most violent when they're uh, two. So, like, briefly, <laughs> you know, yes. And so, like, because they, they're like, they really want to punch, bite, kick. Ah. and to get what they want. But most people are socialized out of that. But a few people don't. No, don't, don't get do your it. sister. Yeah, because it's like, no, that's not actually how to get what you want. Yeah, because in people, fact, you won't get what you want exactly, if, you if you do, do that. Do. And so most of us are socialized out of that. But for some
1: reason, serial killers are not. Well, and that's what I want to say yeah. real quick on Interject yes. is a lot of times when we think about um, uh, problematic. Um, home lives. I think, oh, they must be um, poorer, or they must be, you know, this, you know, you you get this movie image in your head of a beaten down house and the wrong side of town. No, no. In fact, um, uh, detrimental home lives very often, some of these serial killers, they were raised in nice homes, in good neighborhoods. Yes. Um, And uh, which is really interesting. But a a detrimental childhood can also um, have to do with improper rearing of your child and by that I mean you can spoil your kid yes and that makes your family dysfunctional yes Uh, a family that doesn't impose correct I'm not talking about over but correct boundaries and discipline on a child that is dysfunctional parenting and home life and believe it or not rich kids who are well educated who look nice they are um, just as likely to be a sociopath oh, I as um and I, in fact i, I don't want to say this because i need to go back and read it but i believe that in some cases they can be more likely yeah uh, because of the spoiling that kind of yeah thing. No, well because the thing is that's what socializes
0: from us all out of being sociopaths is the fact that we're told, no, you don't get what you want yeah. by hurting other people. Yeah. And if again, you indulge or are too indulgent of your children, particularly at particularly early age in that way,
1: that makes sense that that would help um, you know, keep you on that path of doing that. Okay. I think there's this philosophy of parenting that is essentially: as long as my kid has food and I give yeah. him my nice stuff and he has a place to to sleep at night, then that is the, that that is all you need to parent. And then they, and then they, you know, whether it's a psychopath or not, they raise you know a terror who's right. just yeah. an awful, amoral person. And you go, know, how did this happen? Because you didn't parent them, right? You didn't yeah. parent them, right? So you didn't realize maybe because uh, you were affluent or or whatever it might be, but you were actually had a dysfunctional, yeah. very dysfunctional home life. And that mixed with trauma, mixed with any kind of um, biological thing there is, can create a serial killer. Yeah, and that's really scary. It is. Yeah. Well, so this is another thing that you point out is that some of the stereotypes
0: we have about like where it comes from. Yeah. You know, Whereas I like, mean, because one of the things that I, I forget who it was, or, um, um, but, uh, they said so the uh, Rolling Stone article about, uh, about, you know, why it was a peak, why it mm. peaked between 1970 uh, and 1999. But there is a lot. Um, and those are the Guardian article, uh, what was that? Um, what makes a serial killer? They have one of the a couple of things is that we used to have this idea that another other things that uh, typically serial killer was white and male. One of the things they're finding now is, again, there's a lot more, for example, you know, black serial killers, we thought worse, but just we didn't, but typically people, um, serial kill, kill people within their own ethnicity, mm-hmm. and nobody really, their really own cared things. about religious really abuse. And so nobody really actually, you know, when there was a black person who died, we didn't put the news coverage on it. Yeah, that's, that's something we were, we're still talking about that's today. That's we're still yeah. talking about today. And also... The inequity between news coverage... News and, uh, coverage yeah. of victims. Exactly. So they, we did, there were a lot that we were not catching because we were not hearing about the victims. Also... You know, there are a lot more women serial killers than we thought there were because typically, what women really do, yes, but typically they are finding now is that what women do is that they will manipulate somebody else into killing for them. Hmm. Can that can that be counted? It, I don't know, but like, but they're but they're starting to realize that that is something that is uh that is that we're fighting about other ways of being a serial killer or things trying to kill. You got to make sure I don't get
1: manipulated into killing
0: people. (laughs) Exactly. Kill them. Because I told you to. Because I told you to. But uh, so there's a lot. Now we're actually also finding out that there's a lot of people. We used to think it was people in the 30s who do the serial killer for the most part. Uh. And now we're finding a lot of older serial killers. Really? really? Yes, there's so they, that's like a midlife what, it, crisis thing. I, I'm, just exactly, my yes, life, exactly. I'm going to go murder Eventually. 17 people. But the thing is, that's the thing is, that's why we're saying, is, okay, what type of person is likely to be a serial killer?
1: What demographics? And are it there? turns out you're saying almost every everybody of, is, yeah. is, is, is black, is, white, male, female. We are all have this old, young, old, we have this proclivity for evil. Yeah. Right,
0: and exactly. Given the right circumstances. Given the right circumstances. For some reason, it seems to be. And one of the, the things that are diff- is difficult is that a lot of times when we're looking at people's childhoods uh, and the circular childhoods, a lot of what we know is from self reporting. Mm. And we don't know how much they're lying about.
1: Interesting. And, but here's the thing yes. I would say that actually combats that for me. Please. Yeah. Is that what they found because, that, you know, they. Um, There's tons and tons of interviews they do with these serial killers. You can even watch them on YouTube. You can watch, I think, Ted Bundy an interview. And of course, serial killers have typically have sociopathy, which is, and they can have uh, they can lie about things. But what's interesting to me is that they all tell the same story. Sure. Now I'd be more inclined to believe that they were lying if one of them said it, or a few sure, of them said yeah. it, but when all of them typically have the same origin story, yeah. that makes me think there could be some truth to that. Well, particularly since they were, the initial interviews
0: were, you know, they weren't hearing each other's stories, mm-hmm. It you know, initially during that time period. Um, I think one of the things I think is also is, now what's interesting is also the fact that most of the serial killings we, we, we saw happened during a particular time period. There's a the 1970s. Through or the 1990s. ones we think about. Well, the ones we think about. Well, and and well, we also a lot of people who are catching serial killers has the the rates have dropped. I was, was going to ask that question. Have rates of serial killings dropped? Yes, they have dropped. But what well, the reason a lot of the reason is just the simple thing of we've gotten better at not doing the things that make it likely that we will be victims of
1: serial Well, I'll also say we've gotten better just with technology. them. Yes, We're, we're going to catch them much, much sooner than we would say in the 30s, 40s, or 50s when we didn't have the forensic technology we right. have now. So we can but, put a stop to this before they get to number, you know, 43. We can stop at a two or one. Exactly. Or- the thing is, what's
0: the thing about 1970s and stuff like that is there, it was a part, a time in our, our society where we had just started actually really getting into a very transient and society where a lot, not a lot of people knew each other. Uh. one of the things is that, you know, one of the ways that serial killers used to kill people a lot was picking up hitchhikers. Yeah. And the thing is, you nobody know, I've done done, and I'm okay thus far. So yeah, but it's, it's, but people, you know, people stopped hitchhiking as much. Because hmm. they were afraid of getting caught by serial killers, yeah, and that's why at this, that you know sadly they started switching to killing sex workers, yeah, because it's like okay, that's where there's still more anonymity, where there's still uh, some less, and then and a, and a, a victim who's vulnerable, victim, victim who's vulnerable, exactly, victim who's vulnerable, and now what serial so killers have done is they switch to online. Because that's the place now where there's more anonymity,
1: where there's more, ah. and and there's likely to have that, that Well, and we've heard these stories recently, and I've been made aware of them, um, especially by the women in my life uh, sure, who are yeah. more hypersensitive to this. About there are these, and I, and I say this as a warning to anyone listening. Um, there are you know on these dating apps, yes, right, that everyone uses now. There have been plenty, and plenty. I, I wish I'd bring one up off the top right. of my head, but a lot of stories of. Um, malicious people using these apps to lure victims in yep. with fake accounts um, and and hurt them. And so I would say, it, it, yes, it, the drapes have got, gone down maybe in the amount that one person can kill, but that doesn't mean we should let our, no, no, not no, let, no. let our guard down, but well, be but, safe. But in the age, it's almost easier. But that's the thing is that's, that's harder and easier. Right. But that's the thing is that it's not because people have gotten
0: better. Yeah. It's because the reason we've gotten down is because we have gotten safer. We've got we figured yeah. out the ways that serial killers typically do it, and we're avoiding those situations. So if you do something that makes you more vulnerable, but that's the thing. Is so you know that what makes a serial killer? It's like well, it's like you know, you know, um, some proclivity towards you know violence, which a lot more of us have than we want to give yeah. credit to. Um, a bad upbringing, particularly early on, yeah. where we discovered that the way to get our needs met was through violence yeah. and coercion and not through cooperation or comp- and other non-violent yeah. competition. Um, and and there is again like some another thing that happens to people in their teen years is that we do and this is something Rosa uh, in um uh, was uh, Billion Wicked Thoughts. They talk about this a lot is that you do get a, when you start having sexual thoughts, you do start in and, and puberty, you do start get certain triggers you do Mm, develop certain things. And if you don't have a family or a mentor or a community to value you through this. If you're having positive feelings towards violence already, that could be one of your sexual triggers at that time. But yeah, if you have, for some reason, bad things in your upbringing and a proclivity towards um, violence,
1: that definitely makes you more likely to become a serial Well, and let's talk a little bit about these things. I want to talk a little bit about the upbringing and some of the aspects that we know to be present. Please. Yes, that's a good Sociopaths and psychopaths. Um, and by the way, sociopath, uh, and psychopaths, those are, those terms are thrown around a lot. Oh, he's yes. a psychopath or he's a sociopath yeah. about this politician or that. There's an actual
0: happening. clinical, you know, yes. diagnosis of having lack of empathy, high yeah. narcissism traits. There's an actual definition of
1: it. And so, sociopathy, uh, is typically, it typically is culminated yeah. in psychopathy, when there's violence attached to it. What I, yeah. I could be totally correct. Typically what people say is psychopaths
0: are born and sociopaths are made, typically is how people say it. I think they're both kind of made. Well, but the thing is you'd be a, a psychopath, but who doesn't act upon it yes. you know, in, a, in a toxic way. Whereas these sociopaths, like, oh, you're actually acting upon these things. Yeah, so far <laughs> as far as i Again, these are two people who are not. Well, <laughs> we're not psychologists.
1: <laughs> we, we listen to podcasts, watch documentaries, exactly. and read a lot of books. For no, yes. we are not claiming to have. Um, <laughs> but from what I understand, I think they're both made, um, and one is more of an extreme, and it has a violent uh, component attached to it. But what I understand about um, both of these things, there's I, I've always heard this about when you bring up um psychopaths or sociopaths, they're very charming. Yes. yes. And everyone says they don't look like the guy from Saw who's gonna come at you with a knife or who's yeah. creepy. And you know, we have these ideas sometimes. Um, of, you know, uh, antisocial, right. uh, unattractive, creepy guy. Yeah. And uh, But now we kind of have this new understanding of, of psychopaths, especially uh, through the decades in American history, yeah. which is they're charming. And very often they are. They know what to say. They know how to say yeah. it. And if you were to ask me, this is just my, my answer, my, my theory, but it makes a lot of sense to me that a kid who's growing up without much guidance Um, That could be in a more dangerous home or that could just be in a home that's neglectful. Um, They learn to manipulate to get their needs met because they're not having their needs met early on in life. So they have to figure out how to get those needs met. And so they will quickly learn if I study people, I can know how to manipulate the things I need out of them because I'm not being provided these yeah. things. Um, and that goes hand in hand with, with adults. I think even people who don't know killing a million people, we, we've met people who are charming and manipulative. Yeah. And I would hazard a guess that they probably grew up in homes, which their needs weren't met. Um, and so they learned how to manipulate and study people in a way that they can get what they want. Now that coupled with a lack of, um, empathy, um, is what you get a real sociopath or a psychopath, not just a manipulative person, but it's, it's, it's also a coupling of lack of empathy, which is also something I'm, I'm curious to hear your theory about where that might come from in a childhood. Um, but is empathy taught? I don't know. I think it's kind of a natural thing, but I think you, you can have traumatic events or, or things happen or familial events happen in your life that train it out of you. Sure. If I'm empathetic, I won't get what I need or I'll get punished. And (laughs) so they, they learn not to have empathy. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think that there's, I mean, there's, it's always complicated. It's always more complicated. Mm. I think there's some people like, you know, the, um, James, James Fallon, who's a self-diagnosed, uh, uh, psychopath says, that, you know, like there, there, that there are people who are born like with with less empathy than other people. There are people personality personality-wise. personality-wise yeah. some, some people have more empathy, um, or more are,
1: are are naturally than other people. But I also, wouldn't say I'm a highly empathetic person. Yeah. I would say I'm a highly sympathetic, yeah, person. But I'm empathy well, doesn't come naturally. Uh, empathy.
0: Well, first of all, we have to understand empathy is to be the ability to understand and to share. Yeah. The feelings, the experiences. So when you, you know, they test whether or not you how high empathy you are by yawning. And if you yawn too, then oh, I never yawn. That's the thing. Really you you <laughs> because if you mirror other people's emotions, if when you're around them, you can feel what they're feeling. That is a and, and that is a sign of empathy, but it doesn't mean that, and that because that's why that's why it's hard to be a killer when you're empathetic
1: because you experience other people. So pain if you see someone home. hurt or scared, you'll feel that pain. Yes. And see, the thing is, I don't generally, yeah, but I understand it. So mine is a more of an analytical understanding. I'm looking at someone, they're crying. Oh, I understand they're sad and they're sad because of this. Right. I'm not feeling that sadness, at least in, in strong ways that I've heard other people right, feel, yeah. but I can understand why they feel that sadness. Right, exactly. And the thing is,
0: the thing is the, that, you know, you've also, again, have been brought up with good morals, yeah. An upbringing, and you have also a mind that will say, yeah, I understand why things are good or bad. Yeah. But that's the thing is, it's always a combination of things yeah. that leads to somebody like, yeah, I... If you know, I kill this person. And there's also again, you talk about some of this can be unlearned. You know, again, like one of the in the uh, Martin Scorsese film, The Irishman, they talk about they're, one of the things is there's a the central character is kind of a sociopath, and mm-hmm. he talks about the fact that being in the army, being in war, and having to kill all these people sort of trained empathy and sympathy out of him. Good God, y'all. Yeah. And so there are ways in which you can have be a less naturally empathetic person than somebody else. And if and that, so that makes it easier to kill if you wanted to. Yeah. And then if you find out early on, the way to get what you want is to manipulate people and to kill people. And of course, if that becomes a sexual trigger to you early on. And one of the things they also found is that, you know, um, 1970s was a big time where. Um, a lot of people were coming back from, a lot of parents were coming back from, men were coming back from war with undiagnosed PTSD. Ah,
1: and it's masses of men were coming back, you know, from, from, and something like that actually can crush your empathy, uh, reaction because you have to, you empathize with every person that you have to fight or kill whatever it might be. Then you had a lot of, and again, and then they're
0: dealing with their children and then their children, Mm do you have to deal with, you know, their dad being abusive in a way, again, we started in the '80s to be able to diagnose PTSD and be able to say, "Oh, okay, this is the problem. We need to get that help. Get help with that." And so, I think that there's there's a lot of contributing factors to some somebody. or I should say? There's a lot of contributing factors
1: to not having the capability of violence socialized out of you. Now, here's one thing I want to um, let's do it. Kind of explore before we wrap this up. We talked about. You know, and one of our previous podcasts, why we're interested as as the quote-unquote sure. why we as a society are interested in in serial killers and true crime, things like that. And then today we've talked about, a little bit about, and there's so much more, you, yeah. should, you should all research on this, but how serial killers are made um, or, or where they come from. Now, I guess I want to dive a little bit into why do they do what they do? Sure. Knowing that, may, okay, so we, we've established that they might come from... Um, uh, dysfunctional homes abuse uh, maybe even biological factors um or genealogical even what are why do they do this what because we're all about the why question yeah overthinkers why Mm -hmm. why would a human uh, and very often presumably has everything they need sure i'm not speaking emotionally; i'm speaking physically yeah um why would they go out of their way to kill multiple multiple people why is this something that humans even do sure um I mean, that's a good question.
0: You know, and I, I really, it's hard for me to come up with exactly the answer for it. Well, I think that one right without being trite. Well, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's so interesting because we're all asking that question, right? And it's a yeah. hard question to answer. I think, you know, people talk about it, the experience of power, mm. the experience of saying, like, I am a person who is capable of stuffing out a life, and therefore I'm
1: not the, the, um, person at the bottom of the dominance hierarchy. Well, it's interesting. Um, oh, shoot. I can't remember which. Um, what, he, he's, he's the big guy. I'm um, going to forget his name. Um, Sweetums. No, I think it... Not Dahmer. I think it might have been Dahmer. Uh, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. I think it was Dahmer. But he... But Somebody he, who actually knows can correct us. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get all confused. But the, what he stated, who knows if he's lying yeah. or not, was the reason he acted... He, he's very... Um, with it, he's very intellectual yeah. and introspective. Um, but he said his entire life he was abused and yeah. shamed and controlled by his mother, and so he grew up, yeah. And he specifically targeted women because he was acting out the control yeah. on them, uh, and the anger towards his mother on them that he never got to live out while she was alive. Well, that makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, um, Neil
0: Strauss, who's one of the who was a former sort of pickup artist, one of those sort of famous people who wrote the book, The Game. He wrote another book called The Truth, which is sort of him, his healing from his pickup artist mm. kind of ways. And one of the things he's talked about is he, he actually, he at one point um, took a survey with a, all of his fans who were kind of, you know, from him who were all aspiring pickup artists too. And he said, everybody who had here, who had a domineering mother raised their hands. Wow. Like 90% of them raised their hands. And so for pickup artists, again, it's a way of gaining power over women by
1: manipulating. Uh, and, then, and that's what a couple of the other ones did too. They were, uh, maybe it wasn't their mother's, but, or, but they lived in a, they were more antisocial and girls right. didn't pay attention. We see this a lot with incels now. Yes. That, that should come into the conversation a little yes. bit because incels, what I, I might argue could be some of the modern um, serial yeah. killers. Yeah. You know, you have Columbine, you have uh, these different instances where these people who are in the outskirts of society who were, who were, Locked out of the relationships and intimacy, particularly with when they wanted, yeah, and so they took control over who, who they thought was controlling. And him. then, typically, again, this is wrong, Yeah, yeah, it's evil and disgusting and wrong, so right? I'm just trying to explain it, where, for where it. we just started out
0: serial killers are bad, now let's try to understand, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But well, and the thing is, it typically, the advantage typically. Women have an advantage over men in terms of the ability to have emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. linguistic skills and things like that. And that's how the kind of power they tend to have over men. The kind of power men tend to have over women is physical. physical. Yeah. And so, again, if you are, a, if you, so oftentimes, if you want to act out the ways that you feel strong, if you don't feel strong and you want to act those out, then this is a way that you may but do that. Here's a, re,
1: here's a reverse situation yes. with very many of the women who you mentioned, yes. who are serious. serious yes. Have been um, victims of really uh, huge abuse from men. Like, yes, the sure one that every everyone point. thinks of um, is Shirley um, Theron, who yes, played you play Monster. In the movie yes, she played Monster. She played one of the most infamous yep. um, serial killers. Oh, this is a proven example. Serial yes. Serial killers. And she was egregiously abused by men, yes. which ultimately led her, uh, from a young age, by the way, yes. oh, yeah, yeah. led her to take that out on men. Yes. Uh, so very often, serial killers. Well, and just to answer my own question, I think are trying to very incorrectly, instructively, yes. and easily right the wrong that was done in their lives. Right. And which is, I think, if we want to connect from a human level, um, all psychology would point to all of us are trying to do that. Yes. In one way or the other. And I think whether we're serial killers or not, thank goodness most of us are not, yeah. um, we are all, we can understand serial killers in this way. I'm not trying to yeah. sympathize or, or empathize. I'm just trying to say that we are all humans Not clinging right, yeah. towards sin and usually our sin is bound up in us trying to fix what has gone wrong yeah. in our worlds and lives um in an incorrect and destructive way which is what christians would i.e call sin right and so i guess how i want to round this out a little bit yeah. is it is way scarier to believe that serial killers don't just um yeah. pop out of the womb and they're just inherently evil it's way scarier the truth is much scarier that we are how we treat other people, yeah. how we treat our children, how we treat our wives, how we treat our our spouses, that will have an effect not only directly on them, but how they treat. other people because if you cause dysfunction and um that will carry itself on so it puts a bigger emphasis on us as parents as as (coughs) spouses as people to treat others around us well especially those with whom we have long periods of relationship with because the better you are the kinder the 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 more moral and good you are to the people around you um the more positivity and goodness and health you are bringing to the world. Yeah. Well, because I think one of the practical reasons I love Christianity is because it says, goodness begets goodness. When you yeah. are good to the world around you and the people around you, that begets them to be good to the world around them. Yeah. What goes around, comes around. No, I, I, I think there's a couple of things I want to, I want
0: to touch on there uh, before we wrap up. First of all, is that aspect of we can make a world. It is possible for to make a world where serial killers are less likely to exist. Mm. And part of that is, of course, you know, doing things to stop better, get a better stopping than when they do exist. Yes. But um, and that's great. We're getting really a lot better. At that's that. damage control. That's damage control. Exactly. But, but it is possible by being good people, by making you know a world where people are capable of getting their real human needs met yes. without resorting to violence and control and, and without, you know, making it less likely for people to abuse other people doing that, we make a world less likely for serial killers to exist. Yes. And that
1: is a, that is a way of being heroic that everybody can actually, and you can do it right now. You, you can do it, right, yeah. You can do it by. Not objectifying yeah. the woman on the app that right. you just want something out of. You can do it by yeah, not, being kind to your brother. You can do it by, by not simply using
0: other people to get yes. your needs met and not treating them as if they're a human being. You can do it by, by loving your children
1: yeah. well and seeing that it is valuable. Yeah. So it's it's, it's setting
0: good boundaries, but also not being abusive. These are simple things we can do right now. And if everyone did it, we'd have that far is, less That serious. is a a, you know, sort of what Madeline Lingle talked about in Wrinkle in Time. That is a way of fighting back the darkness. And that doing that. But also, and I also I want to put it inversely if you are a person who has been abused mm. and not gotten your needs met, not taught what good ways to get your needs met, and you do not act upon your own darker impulses, that is an act of heroism Absolutely. Absolutely. that you are doing every day. And I think that, that is, those are ways that we can be heroes in this time and, and fight back against this kind of darkness, mm. is by fighting against those impulses ourselves and learning constructive ways to get our needs met and also not passing that trauma on to other people.
1: That, uh, that yeah.
0: is a, the way that
1: you make those spirit less likely to exist. Well, and I'll put it in uh, religion language. Please we do. Put, Love which it. Which is, that is how we build a kingdom of God. Yes. Ultimately, because God God's kingdom doesn't have killers. And yes. It, <laughs> yes. Has, it has people, life givers. And yes. And so when we actively take part in bringing life to the relationships and the world around us, we are actively, right now, building build the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. How do we get from serial killers <laughs> to <laughs> little theology? There really, easily. Uh, <laughs> so true, really
0: easily. That's Really easily. Okay. So now let's get started on blessings and curses, where we will take something, either a resource, a work of art, a piece of media, dealing with the topic at hand and finding and uh, either recommending it, blessing it, or uh, telling you to stay the heck away from it, uh, cursing it. So uh, Nathan, where do you got?
1: Um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and bless. This is an easy one. And I alluded to it. Earlier, but it's the Netflix We've series. Do yeah, it, you have to, especially when talking about this. The Netflix series yeah. uh, Mindhunter, which is a fictionalized but historical account yeah. of essentially the people who came up with the theory that serial killers were not born; they were made. Yeah. And the entire series really takes place around the interviewers, this FBI agent yeah. and um, psychi- and psychologist psychiatrist. Uh, what what the interviews they have with serial killers. Yeah, It is, mm-hmm. one, it is so well shot, just oh, from yeah. the filmmaker's point of view. It is, the writing is fantastic. The characters are amazing. The acting yeah. is just superb. But they interview all the very famous ones. And this is real, by the way, this actually happened. Yeah. So you're learning as you're watching this. Of course, it fictionalized events, you know, they kind of fit yeah. in there and love stories. But the real reason <laughs> to watch it is these amazing interviews and what they garner from this, and um, and they really touch on a lot of really interesting psychological and moral yeah. and ethical things. They even touch on the the race uh, issue that yeah. uh, that the, very often the FBI wasn't looking in places being extremely racist by not looking yeah. for, and they also talk, touch on the on the sex uh, and gender one about um, what creates w- in women or men, and so it's really interesting it's um it's not perfect but i, I think if this is an interesting subject to you and you all want to understand um, where serial killers come from. Look to the historical guys in a very fictionalized and fun yeah. environment. You will really enjoy your that time, and you'll learn a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm also gonna bless. Please don't see this. I <laughs> I, Wait. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I, I doubt <laughs> that anyone will actually enjoy this, but me. But um. So listen, we like we like horror movies. Me and my wife, and yeah. we like scary movies. We like um, thrillers. We like to be, ooh, you know that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So. And there is a good found footage film with Mark Duplass oh, yes. called Creep, and um, it is essentially about a modern serial killer who breaks all the stigmas of serial killer that mm. we've ever seen. And just when you think you know something, you don't. Just when you think you understand uh, the things, so it's you a well-made sort of subversive serial is. killer story. It really okay. is. It's subversive. It's interesting, and it really puts because it's found footage you in this really precarious position, um, because since it is found footage, you almost feel like you're in the movie as the documentarian. Sure. And so you're asking the questions that the documentarian asks, the ones that we would ask. And interesting. Like so it's really interesting, super scary. Uh, it, it is violent and I wouldn't recommend it, but it, I, I was definitely- But you in, are right now. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was very entertained. So if okay. you like scary, interesting- If this is the kind of thing you
0: like, yes. then this is a well-made
1: one. Yes, correct. Um, I need a curse I think I cursed this a while ago but it deserves another curse and especially on this subject extremely wicked and shockingly evil this Mm. was the movie about Ted Bundy right I believe it was Ted Ted Bundy by Um, Zac Efron Zac Efron and (laughs) I I don't know how they did this they turned this movie about this human being who murdered people and lots of them and abused them into like Sexy rom-com, yeah,
0: almost. And it's like, yeah. Well, didn't they like focus on like his 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 wife and love his, story. The story, the love
1: story? Yes. And people have had this complaint about serial killers and how we talk about them for yep. a long time. um We deify them. And yeah. Maybe that's the wrong word. We. we we, we glamorize them. them. Glamorize, glamorize, that's glamorize, the worst. Yeah. We glamorize them. And I don't know why, but it's, it is interesting. This is a real phenomenon. Yeah. Many serial killers received hundreds, even thousands of love, love letters. letters, marriage proposals while they're in prison. Absolutely. Well, one, uh, I think um, uh, Mamison actually got married in prison, um, I believe. I do you know. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just like, you know, if you're going to get married, he's pretty safe. <laughs> yeah. <it's true>. <laughs> but, <laughs> he's locked up. Oh, my goodness. It, it really is a phenomenon. But, it, yeah. What this does, rather than saying that's a bad thing, right? It just leans into it and yes, says it, it encourages it. Yes. Basically, you're supposed to empathize and like the guy who abused and murdered tons of women. Yeah. And you're going, this is not how we should be telling stories about evil. Yeah, that's, um, good. that's good. Ironically that's good. enough, with the um, with the title. So I, I vehemently, vehemently curse that one. Uh Sorry, Zach. Love Zach. Love Lily. Um, I don't know the filmmakers, um, but this, this, this yeah. one is no. not good. Okay, cool. That's that sounds good it
0: makes sense okay so I'm gonna do something a little bit offbeat those are really good solid ones that fit our category you' a little bit offbeat I'm gonna bless I'm gonna do this without spoilers because uh Nathan has not seen this okay but I'm gonna bless uh the suicide squad okay <laughs> yes um, all right yes because I thought that was the one done by James Gunn. The reason is because it's a movie, it's all about most- The new one. one. The new one, oh, okay. yes, the one by James Gunn, because it's a movie all about people, mostly serial killers, mostly killers, mostly bad people who have, part. and it does a really good job of showing The ways in which, you know, trauma and, you know, and, and trauma of childhood and horrible things happening to you can shape you into being someone who is, does horrible things, but also you don't have to be that way.
1: Uh, It shows there's a choice. There's a
0: choice. There is a choice involved. You can choose to be better. And what actually makes you a bad person is not the fact that these bad things happen to you, but if you continue to not change and try to be better. That's what actually makes you a bad person. So they do that really well in there. So I think if 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 again, it's very violent, it's not family friendly, but if it's something that you're into then it's, it's a very redemptive
1: story in that way, teaching you how to see that you don't have to be that way. Interesting. Yes. But I imagine that a lot of the moms listening will have to do through a lot of violence and cursing yes. um, mom, to get to that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yes. The mom's listening to it, not family friendly. Okay. <laughs> but if, if,
0: if, it's, if somebody is already watching this kind of stuff, this is a redemptive version. Who needs that. MPAA, uh,
1: you know, GED, PG-13, we have the overthinkers. Overthinkers to tell you. Not overthinkers, family friendly. No, exactly.
0: Yes. We'll have a rating system at some point. Yeah. You know, five out of five for family friendliness movies that you plugged in. Um, I also got a good curse. I actually cursed a movie I saw very recently in this regard uh, is um, the Venom 2 film.
1: Oh yeah,
0: we just saw that. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't that good. And one of the things again, it's fine. No, sure, it's fine. I, mean, it's, I love Tom Hardy. No, no, no. And watching it as an acting exercise and watching Tom Hardy talk to him, argue with himself. Yeah, that, that was fun. That was fun. But whenever the problem is, it didn't try to just be fun. It tried to actually like have a meaningful story in there to yeah, some degree. True. And when it tried, it tried to actually say, it actually tried to ask the question what makes a serial killer. And what they kind of said, they did two things. One thing they said, they said, it's because, you know, nobody ever actually listened to me or acted like I mattered. So it's almost like justified. It's justified, exactly. It's like, oh, I was abused and therefore it's okay that I abuse. However, they also respond to that, saying it's your all your fault, society's fault for making me who I am. But also you we can we can because he did this, we can trivialize him and treat him as if his life isn't worth living. Yeah. So both the serial killer's actions are everybody else's fault, and because he's a serial killer, we can act as if his life doesn't matter.
1: So, it's so both confusing. of those things at
0: the same time. And I was like, that's that's ugly. And it you, was fun, though,
1: watching Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson try to out-crazy each other. Yes, were
0: certainly. If you're looking at it from just that perspective, yeah, have yeah, so. No, I, I agree with you I would that. watch
1: a movie that's just the two of them in a
0: room yeah. out-crazy each other, yeah. and that would be a great movie. But when it's trying to act, that's the thing, is it didn't embrace that. It just tried to actually try to act like it was asking True. people questions, and it didn't. And so I was like, I'm going to curse that. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us today at probing these very deep, dark questions. I hope it was a good one and you got something out of it. Um, Nathan, if people want to engage more with you,
1: uh, where can they go? They can go to my website at NathanClarkson.me, or they can uh, search me on any of the socials. Okay, cool. Yes, you can find me at
0: josephholmstudios.com. Of course, you can also reach us at theoverthinkersjournal.com, and you can find me on all the socials as well. Thank you again very much for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.